0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Believe in SDSU Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network. It's a place with a show for every team in San Diego and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this episode, we're going to finish out this 2009 2010 women's basketball season recap series with the part two of the postseason we're talking about the NCAA tournament what happened and why this team at the end of the day is the greatest women's basketball team in school history so without further ado here we go As always, if you enjoy the show, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. We are available wherever podcasts can be found. Ah so here we are. It's fresh off a Mountain West Conference Tournament win. And we await what many sports fans know as Selection Sunday. Um, actually for the women's side, it's called Selection Monday. But it answers the same questions that fans and players alike are looking for. Who is seated where? Who will play whom? It's just a lot of answers that we'll get all in one day. I think it's just a matter of a couple of hours. So in this instance, on this Monday, the practice players and I got together while the players and coaching staff were together in a separate location, I think near Peterson Jim, And we just wanted to know, you know, where's this season gonna continue? And which one seed or which bracket are we going to be in? So as we sort of discussed throughout the season, uh, the ranking and the seeding and placement is essentially in two tiers. One, they'll group you in the different tiers. So if you're one of four teams that could be a one seed, you're placed in that group, two seed, et cetera, by teams of four. And within those seeds, uh, based on record, strength of schedule, top 25, whatever formula that they determine, you are placed in the region closest. I guess if you're the highest one seed, you get placed automatically in the region that's closest to you, then all all the way trickling down. And so there were four one seeds in this tournament uh, in 2010 that boasted a very impressive resume across the board. So we'll say Nebraska won 7-0 and against top 25 teams that season, had two future WNB players And their only loss the entire season was to Texas A&M in the Big 12 championship game. And we all know how hard it is to maintain an undefeated record into the regular season, let alone these group of women took it all the way to the conference tournament's championship game. Then we have Stanford. We got smacked by them the year after. Um, this Stanford team boasted an undefeated conference record. I think it was 18 and zero, and saw their only regular season loss to UConn, which we'll get to later. And Tennessee was 30 and two on their way to being SEC champs. And to do that in a competitive conference as, as competitive of a conference as the SEC, um, 30-2 30-2 is ridiculous. And finally, I think this was the overall number one is Connecticut. Five future WNBA players slash stars slash potential Hall of Famers slash all-stars slash definite Hall of Famers, Tina Charles, Kalana Green, Maya Moore, Tiffany Hayes, Kelly Ferris. Connecticut was stacked. So if those are one seeds... Where does San Diego State go? We're a Mountain West Conference champion and a fourth place conference finish overall in terms of record. And where did that take us? Well, that led us to the 11th seed in the Memphis Regional. This was the same bracket as Tennessee. And to top all that off was a nice little cherry called A Game Against Succeeded. Texas in Austin of all places and when I found that out that was I was stunned I mean at best you're hoping for a neutral site game which happens I want to say probably 85 to 90 percent of the time in terms of region and I get it you know sometimes let's say San Diego State was um, a higher seed you may play in LA or the bay area and you can effectively call it a quote-unquote home game because you're in the same state or in the same region but here we are playing a college in the same city as their campus in the same facility in the same gym um that was tough i mean it, it started out with a very difficult challenge i mean texas was six and one in their school history in ncaa games that they hosted so, the cards were stacked against us. But, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, I think that really helped set the tone for the tournament. The practices and everything thereafter, Coach Burns set the tone right away. I mean, this was the mindset going in, especially with Texas. Um, the mindset was that we beat them last year so we can do it again. We're expecting to lose. We're the 11th seed. You know, they're the 6th seed. And if anything, they have the pressure to match expectations and win. All we have to do is prove them wrong. And that hunger and the drive and the focus created this level of intensity in practice that wasn't felt before. Every practice was like a what you would call a business trip. You know, like there's lulls in practice. There's times where you split out into groups and practice your free throws or some drills and you have chance for small talk and things like that. But the only words that you heard of anybody, the only conversation that you heard from anybody was all related to the game plan. And it paid off. It was all basketball and it took Texas surprise i mean we started out 33 and we were, the score was 33 to 14 halfway through the first half i mean the longhorns ended up shooting 33 percent from the field there were only one of 13 from three i mean it was uh just a big shocker we just took the energy right out of that building and poured it into 32 points from janae including five threes from her i mean she they were going under screens, she shot it. They went over screens, take a, two dribbles in, either pull up, and draw the foul, or take it all the way to the cup. And for the second year, you know, we had successfully pulled off a first-round upset. And as surprising as it was for Texas, it wasn't quite as a surprise for us. I mean, we have saw it last year. We've seen these girls overcome adversity time and time again. The real test was where we fell last year. It was the second game. Now, when you're a lower-ranked seed or double-digit seed, usually the second game, pending any upsets on the other side of the bracket, is um, against a seed that's quite higher significantly than what you played in the first game. And mind you, the first weekend is always a... Short turnaround not not a lot of time to pack in things in practice, so to provide context leading up to the first weekend, practice is essentially split into scenarios, and this is where a lot of tape and game film come into play. You take a look at the sets that they've run the most, and you really dissect motions and counters and moves that they really like. To deploy and uh, we'll establish a set list of rules set list of plays that we practice for and against and be ready and a quick breakdown of each player or the star players and that's pretty much it if you have one game a week you can spend one day one practice focusing on a particular series let's say a horn set then you can practice the second series against what they do against flex, flares, um, off ball screens in general. Then you can do a third day of practice just against cleaning up your offense against their defense and their tendencies. Here, you have to prep for number six seed, Texas, and then the winner of three seed, uh, West Virginia, and then 14 seed, um. Uh, mm can't remember off the top of my head, but you have, you're essentially prepping for one school primarily, but also two schools as a backup. And then you only have like a quick turnaround time. So a lot of it is just do verbal communication and just mental repetition and less of really breaking down the nuances that each team presents as a challenge. And that is what makes the NCAA tournament. So challenging if you're playing in it, and so exciting as a fan because of such a higher risk of upsets given this wild time of the first weekend. So against 3 seeded West Virginia, this was Quinice and Janae setting the tone. They used an 8-0 run early in the first half to keep the Mountaineers at bay to lead by seven at halftime. And in the second half, the scenario goes tied at forty-seven, five minutes left. This this point in time can be one of two ways: one, the Aztecs can really learn from the past; or two, we're going to repeat history. And Janae scored twelve points on her own, and the Aztecs were able to pull off the upset. So the final score was sixty-four to fifty-five. And that means that Janae, by herself, scored more points than the three-seeded West Virginia Mountaineers in the final five minutes of an NCAA tournament game. The Aztecs became the lowest remaining seed in the entire tournament. This was the first visit to the Sweet 16 in school history. If the Texas game wasn't enough, this West Virginia game further showed why Janae was going to go to the WNBA. And this was insane. That that proverbial monkey was lifted off everybody's shoulders. Um, here we are, Sweet 16, going to Memphis, and we're playing against the two-seed, Duke, Blue Devils. This team had three future WNBA players on their roster. um, But by this point, the run was so extraordinary. And at the same time, so unsurprising, if that's even a word, for the girls that a two-seed, it didn't matter who they were playing. It could have been Duke. It could have been... Putting them putting WNBA jerseys on and playing against WNBA All-Stars. It, it almost didn't matter. Their confidence, their composure, their camaraderie, communication, everything was at such an all-time high by this point. It genuinely felt like the Aztecs can make a run. It was, it's, I don't know if anybody has gone through this, getting in the zone or anything like that. You know, when you're playing basketball, playing sports, if you're in the zone, maybe the basket, you know, a a rim that can fit two basketballs can feel like it can fit 10. I mean, you just don't even try. You just kind of chuck the ball up near the rim and it just happens to go in that type of zone or the zone maybe where everything slows down and you're calculating and can figure out angles and moves and what people are going to do before they do it. Whatever zone that you can. Experience or refer to that's the type of zone that this entire team was on during this run. And it showed, I mean, in the first half, we led as much as three. We were only down one. I mean, this presented the greatest challenge in school history and they stood up to it, you know. And in the second half, at least from an outsider's perspective to me, it just kind of felt like they had given it all they had for so many consecutive games at a certain point the gas tank had to be empty and that's sort of what it felt like Um, and they lost only by 58 to 66 and the magical run of the Aztecs had come to an end but if you can imagine starting full circle here starting the season three and three ending the regular season 18 and ten ranked fourth in a conference that boasted one top 25 team to take that to go to Vegas to win the Mountain West conference championship to not only upseat upset and win the first game for the second year in a row but then double down and beat a three seed to book a ticket to the Sweet 16 to stand toe-to-toe for the majority of the game against a school like Duke, boasting three future WMB players on their roster. And at the end of the day, to have this sort of run and narrative about this Aztecs being an all-time team in school history, to me, Goes to show what really these women were were about: their character, their composure, their confidence, their calm, their patience. At there were so many points during an eighteen and ten season that you really can just look in the mirror and say "fuck it" and just you know kind of do go through the motions and play and do whatever. It's like we're we eighteen and ten, whatever. Like we're seemingly losing that every third game or whatever, like who cares? Like it's just not our year. Well, just try again next time. And to have the expectation too, of just expecting to lose anytime you're playing a, a team that the majority public recognizes before yours, you know, and for them to overcome all of that, to change the narrative, a full 180 degrees to go to end to this point and forward into school history where Janae was a first round pick by the Indiana Fever where Quinice has built a long career overseas professionally and to close the loop and all that this is something that I think Fans, school, alumni, uh, former players, future players will always remember as the greatest team in women's school or greatest women's team in school history. So there's my case. It's, uh, it took a few episodes and I hope, uh, you see my side. And if you disagree, definitely please feel free to drop a line. You can find us on Believe.com and at Believe Sports. I am your host, Kongsan. I am at underscore Sun. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please reach out to us at Believe.com. All right. Well, hopefully everyone's still staying safe. Um, I know that a few states are slowly starting to open up. Please uh, proceed with caution and um, hope everybody stays healthy throughout this time. We'll get through it together. And until next time, go Aztecs.